Welcome to Intrepid Media, the show for the business professional. Here, we're going to talk about business topics such as leadership, sales, marketing, HR, innovation, strategy, and technology. But we're also going to riff about lifestyle too and help you look better, feel better, and live better. This show is everything the modern business professional needs, from the C-level executive to the millennial. So let's get on with the show. Good morning and welcome back to Intrepid Radio. I am your host, Todd Schnick. Uh, you know, I've over the years, I've had conversations on this theme that we're going to get into today. It's such an important topic for a lot of the audience listening to the show who are folks who are successful at something, whether it's in business or lifestyle, and they've decided to write a book about it. And how do you do that? It's a different era now these days about how to write a book and why to write a book and how to, more importantly, best leverage the time and energy and effort put into that book. So today's conversation promises to shine a lot of light on how to maximize and leverage that effort. So let's get to it. We're joined this morning by Tanya Hall. She is the CEO of the Greenleaf Book Group and the author of a new book called Ideas, Influence, and Income. Tanya, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Well, the pleasure's mine, Tanya. I appreciate you making time to join us, uh, launching this book. So I know you're awfully busy, and I appreciate uh, you making time, let alone publishing the thousands of titles that you are responsible for. They're out of uh, Greenleaf, so grateful for you swinging by. Before we get into our conversation around the new book, Tanya, take a quick second. Tell us a bit about you, your work, and the uh, what's happening here at Greenleaf. Sure. So my background is in television broadcasts, actually, and so many, many, many years in media. And then I did a brief stint in interactive in the late 90s when everybody my age did that. Right, right, right. <laughs> and then, uh, like everyone my age, when uh, 9-11 happened, or those companies largely went kaboom. And I did my own sort of recalibration in terms of what I really wanted to do and moved from Los Angeles uh, here to Austin, Texas, as a result of that. And kind of landed accidentally, really, in the publishing world, which is backwards by a lot of people's standards. Usually you go from publishing into broadcast, and so I did it just the opposite. But um, <laughs> that's fine. It worked out very well. Yep. And, and if I try to run a thread through everything I've done career-wise, it all really is in support of bringing ideas into the world. I worked in entertainment news, and I get a, a hard time for that quite often because, yes, it is complete fluff, but it's an escape for people, and it still serves a purpose. And um, you come to realize that after you do this for long enough that there is a lot of purpose in this type of work and helping people to see their dreams come to a reality, whether their book is a bucket list thing or it serves a business purpose from a brand perspective. Um, it's very rewarding to come alongside them and, and sort of uh, steward their book into the world. Outstanding. So, all right, so I think... Tanya, if you have listened to any of my shows, you know I often lead with a question where virtually everyone I talk to has authored a book on something. And, and the point is, if you take those themes, those ideas, those genres, and you go to Amazon and you type in, hey, I want to find books about how to write books and why to write books and how to, what, how to leverage it, there's probably a lot, a lot of titles on Amazon about how to do that. Why did the world need ideas, influence, and income? What's different about your approach that it was worth putting yet another title out there? <laughs> 
Yeah, it's, I, I wrote a book about writing books. It's a little, <laughs> a little meta. <laughs> right. uh, that's an excellent question, and I know better than anyone, or as well as anyone, that uh, the, the book publishing landscape and the whole media landscape really is exceptionally cluttered. And uh, the reason I wrote my book, just like many of the authors I serve, many people were asking me, when are you going to write your book? How can I get everything that you just shared with me, for instance, in the four hours that we spend together in your office, in written form so I can reference it later? Because the ideas, influence, and income that I reference in the title is basically the trifecta that I walk would-be authors through when I sit down with them to help them understand the way to position their ideas so that they're using that idea smartly, if uh, smartly is an intelligent word to use. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. It is here on the show. <laughs> Good. They're using it in a way that is is aiding their goals in terms of building a brand and visibility and credibility, but also, uh, as the income part alludes to, that they're thinking about how to then take what is really the holy grail of content marketing and repurpose that potentially, into other containers because people learn and consume content in many different ways. So that whole income section of the book really deals with that fundamental question that so many authors get stuck on, which is, well, authors don't get paid anything these days, you know, and and it's true. It's very hard to make a living on a $20 product in this very cluttered landscape, but the smart authors who think about that book as really this foundational cornerstone for a bigger content strategy or a bigger really intellectual property strategy are the ones who figure out how to better leverage the content through speaking and online learning and other ways to reach an audience. Now, I am an author myself of several books. Now, I am, there's a lot of different classifications of authors out there. There are the Stephen Kings and then there's guys like me. <laughs> so those are the two, <laughs> two edges of, of, the, of the spectrum there. And I don't do it because I don't, I'm not putting in the time, the energy, and the work to become a New York Times bestseller or have a major house publish my book. I, I do it. I self-publish, and I do it more, almost more for the fun and the love of the work and the passion of actually putting you know, the joy in the journey versus the destination, one of those kinds mm-hmm. of things. And it's, very, it's meant to be very much a, a strategic strategy where I, you know, I, I write some specific stuff that when a particular individual in the world needs it, I have, I have it to gift them. And I can say, hey, this book might speak to you at this moment in your time. So, so there's a, a whole part of this conversation is going to be the, you know, the strategy behind why to do this and how to do this and how to leverage it. Most of us, 99.9% of us are not going to be New York Times bestsellers. And I still think that most authors think that's the goal here, and that's not really the case. And, you know, you might get lucky, and you might put out something that all of a sudden strikes a chord and becomes this massive uh, media phenomenon. You get on the Today Show in 60 Minutes and all that, but that's very, very rare. Uh, talk about, there's an impossible question to ask, but, but for the typical person out there listening to this who has, has some skill or, or expertise and they have a consultancy or they uh, have a, an expertise that they actually have enough knowledge with which they could write a book, what is the, what is the overriding reason why most people should write a book? 
It's a great question, and as you alluded to, there's a different answer for every author, really. Right. But for the, the typical, as you said, sort of the person with a consultancy, the thought leader, that's the type of author that we are most commonly working with. They tend to be nonfiction authors in areas like business, um, health and wellness, self-help, parenting, all that. Things that make you a better person, I would say, are mm-hmm, those the types mm-hmm. of books that we do well. For many of them, uh, the book really is a business tool. I know I've heard the book referred to as a business card, which I think I call it the twenty-five dollar business card. <laughs> of course, it's much more than that. Right, right. That's the uh, that's the deepest business card ever, if that's what it is. <laughs> right. But that is really what the book is doing is helping to uh, bring in a a certain client base and one that by the time they've read your book has pre-qualified if you're a consultant. They've read the book, they know what your approach is, they know what your background is, they know what your attitude and sort of your tone is and whether that's a match for what they're looking for in their business. So it saves you, in some sense, a lot of that upfront work of establishing whether there's a fit between you and that potential client. And we have authors who we work with all the time who tell us that, yes, the book has been wonderful at that part of their lead gen efforts in terms of bringing in an already vetted (laughs) customer who understands their approach and is ready to sign. So that's a a really great reason to do a book. Another one that's sort of an, an unforeseen benefit to writing a book and something that people really enjoy in the writing process, for the most part, and I will tell you that I personally... Uh, really labored through the writing process, so now I totally appreciate what my authors go through. Hmm. But the process of writing and of of really trying to put into some logical framework the value that you deliver to a customer or to an audience or just the structure behind an idea is is both challenging and rewarding because quite often we know sort of intuitively, well, this is kind of who I serve and how I do it, but we've never thought to put words to it or to really build out the structure of how we do that work. So there's a certain intellectual process that you go through to sort of chronicle, this is my approach, this is how I serve clients, this is who I serve. It's it's fundamental branding work, really, but by working through the book, so often our authors say, wow, I have so much more clarity now on how I serve people and why. So that's, a, uh, again, an outcome that they often don't anticipate on the front end, but is very rewarding and helps them to better refine their business, of course, once the book is done. And then also a book, as you also alluded to, is a great word-of-mouth tool. And they say the number one rule of uh, word-of-mouth is give them something to talk about. Well, if you have a book launch, um, just like I'm here doing this show in support of my new book, same thing. It, it's a new product gives you a reason to put your name out there, to have a press release and a little publicity circuit that you run to bring awareness that you have this new product and it's about this. So it really gives you a chance to sort of step up on a platform and get the word out about what you do. Well, I, I, I'm sure you've done this. I'm sure you've seen it a million times. I, 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 I get frustrated these days now that I'm a little bit more aged and experienced. I, I, the author who, the, the pinnacle of their success is the moment when someone in their network takes a photograph of someone's book in an airport bookstore. And they say, hey, sighting in the wild of my book at the Denver airport. Now, that's great. That's a good. That feeds the ego, certainly. <laughs> but that isn't the goal of this thing. I mean, if that's what if that's if that's your goal, then you're doing this wrong, and, and you're <laughs> the wrong motivations. And here's the other thing I say that I say too that that hey, if not one soul buys your book, 
but the discipline and the work and the clarity that comes to you as you put the thing together in and of itself sometimes is worth the effort if no one buys the darn thing, right? I mean, because it does make, it does force you to think about what you do and what you care about and your approach, your methodology, whatever you're talking about. I mean, the, the exercise in and of itself is, is that's why I do it, frankly. I have no aspirations of being this New York Times bestseller. I'm not prepared to do the work to do it. I have other priorities in my life. But, but just the mere exercise of, of, of articulating your thinking and your approach to whatever problem you're solving, whatever issue you're trying to deal with and educate people on, I mean, just the act of doing this process was labor-intensive and, and one of love and passion. I and mean, that's worth it, right? Oh, I absolutely agree. And that, that clarity is also something that will serve the business in the long term because it helps you better understand your differentiation. And once you understand, that, oh, my framework is this and who I serve is this and how I serve is in this way. And my tone is different because I am, you know, I, I curse with my clients or the opposite, <laughs> whatever right. it may, whatever it may be. Uh, I think the process of writing the book, like you said, brings a lot of clarity around that. And all of that serves to help you better compete. All right. So gosh, there's a million directions we could go on this. So Let's get into it. So once you make the decision to do this, and there really needs to be real clarity on why. I mean, don't, I mean, I always used to say to people who, who were like, well, I'm a marketer and I want to do a marketing blog, but good Lord, does the world need another marketing blog? And I would always mm -hmm. respond, well, the world doesn't know your viewpoint, your positioning, your, your perspective on marketing. So put it out there, you know, and there's a, there's a very specific audience that probably does care what you, John Smith, thinks about marketing. So same thing applies to a book, but it's important to get clarity on both your message and your audience, yes? Mm -hmm, absolutely. So how do you do that? <laughs> that may be the hardest part. I, right. I really think that should be the heavy lifting that you do before that pencil even hits paper. Here at Greenleaf, we're unique in that we actually have an entire branding team that it, it's it's not a team that brands the company. It's a team that works with the authors and helps them to do this heavy lifting of really refining the message and defining the audience, which, of course, there tend to be two or three levels to the audience. But, again, that helps us to ensure that we are getting everything teed up to have a more deliberate manuscript writing process. And it helps the author to move through that process more efficiently because they literally have demographics that they can look at to understand, oh, this, this is a profile of the typical reader I'm trying to reach, so I have to remember to speak to him or her in this tone. Or they may not know this information because just because I do, my reader has this different background and we've got this whole you know, sociographic profile set up so that they can uh, write with that lens on it. So again, it really helps them to develop a better product and one that requires less editorial work down the road because we've, uh, like you said, done that heavy lifting on the front end to make sure that the entire creative process is, is very intentional. All right. So let's talk about the actual process. Now, I'm old enough, Tanya, to remember when self-publishing was actually a negative thing. Oh, yeah, you were looked upon as kind of a pariah if you actually self-published your book. Well, these days, it's actually cool and hip. 
to do so. And, and But there's a lot of ways you can do this. And so, I mean, obviously, as you think about this process as a as an author or a potential author, I mean, you need to think about uh, how are you going to do this, right? I mean, because you could you could hold out and say, I want to wait for a major publishing house to approach me and, and give me a big signing bonus and all that kind of thing and work out so that I can be on the Today Show and talk about the book. Or I can self-publish, which is, God, we could talk for hours on just this one mm-hmm. question, but but you've got to think about that, right? I mean, and and how do you any counsel you can share on how to actually do this and how to actually produce a manuscript? Sure. So the, yeah, you're right. We could do hours and hours right. on either of those subjects, frankly. And in in my book, Ideas, Influence, and Income, I do go into both of those questions at length. In fact, the whole ideas section is all about the process of writing. Um, in terms of, uh, well, I'll start with the process of writing. For I think it's different for everybody, but the common advice that I hear my editors here give to authors and that I would give to an author having now gone through this is to start with a very detailed outline because, again, that for me, that was the hardest part because I thought arrogantly that, oh, I've been talking about this stuff for years. I can just go. It'll be fine. And I tried that, and then I had a hot mess on my hands where it's like, right, right. ooh, this has no structure. It has no flow. I'm missing entire subjects. So creating a very detailed outline, which is really defining the structure of the book in terms of content, uh, gave me a roadmap. And then from there, it was a matter of calendaring time for myself. It was quite challenging to just carve out a certain you know number of hours each day to, to work on this and then pray that the muse would visit <laughs> during those hours. <laughs> so lots of tips in the book on how to get through the writing process itself. In terms of choosing a publishing option, um, I too am old enough to remember that self-publishing, uh, not so long ago really, what you know was looked at as the pariah of publishing, but it's also the democratization of publishing. And I think that's where when people realize that, oh, that's kind of cool. Like we've put the power back into the writer's hands. That's when it became a bit more celebrated. And of course, some very high profile authors moved over into self-publishing and made it, I think, seem like less of the redheaded stepchild option. But of course, the the challenge that lots of self-published authors run up against is that you have some distribution limitations if you're primarily selling on Amazon. That's about half of our market, which is nothing to sneeze at, but again, that's about half of the market. So there's more opportunity in the in the brick and mortar world, despite what the media loves to say. So from there, you know, a self-published author usually is somebody who would rather get the book out sooner than later because going the other route uh, can take years. You have to get an agent and then they shop it to an editor and then there's a long publishing process. So speed to market, I think, is one of the first goals an author has to think through. This is especially true if you have content that's timely, whether it's on current affairs or technology, that you know, by the time you wait for the traditional publishing process to play out, you have to rewrite your book. <laughs> that's no good. So um, speed to market is a key consideration. And then uh, creative control is a big one for some people. And I often have to uh, explain to authors, it's not that the publisher is going to rewrite your whole book. They're not in that business. They wouldn't buy it if that were the case. Mm. But they actually may make some decisions that for especially a nonfiction author impact you in a brand sense. And I'll give you an example. Uh, We have an author, Joe Cross, who did the documentary Fat, Sick, and Nearly Dead. And it was you know, a, a big hit at Sundance one year, and he was smart enough to realize that he had to sort of uh, ride that train as fast as he could and get his books out. So he had a deal with Rodale, which is a traditional New York house. 
and they had some very clear desires for the cover that were not consistent with the bigger brand he was trying to build with the documentary and a partnership with a juicer company. And so he pulled his deal with them and came to us because in our model, the author is investing in the production of their books, so they do have some well, they actually have final creative control. So he could develop the product in a way that was consistent with the rest of his brand strategy. And for him, that was very important. For some people, it's not as important. But self-publishing and hybrid models like Greenleaf bring that benefit. Ownership of rights has become a huge, huge point, especially, again, for speakers and thought leaders who need the flexibility to be able to repurpose that content into workshops or webinars or whatever else they need to do to monetize their ideas without having to jump through legal loopholes or or have their rights tied up. So uh, ownership of rights is a big one. And then resources. You know, self-publishing is not terribly expensive, but it also it does take an investment if, of time. And, you know, in models like ours, when you're printing three to 5,000 books, it also takes an investment of capital. So in a traditional deal, it's, it's flipped. So for my business authors, I use the comparison of it's sort of like bootstrapping versus taking venture capital, right? Mm-hmm. So self-publishing, you're bootstrapping and you're putting in money up front but you're keeping the lion's share of the reward on the back end because you fronted that project uh, versus the venture capital world of traditional publishing where you're being paid in advance that is basically a draw on your future royalties. But, of course, your publisher, since they shouldered the risk, they're the ones keeping the lion's share of the royalties on the back end. So a lot of it also depends just on your comfort level with that risk and where things are lining up for you financially. So I know that's, I just said a lot. That was, it's a lot to process and it is a big decision. And again, there's tons of content on that in my book. Well, most of us aren't Barack Obama, who's going to get a multi-million dollar advance on a book. Most of us have to bootstrap. I mean, that's, that's the right. whole point of, of, and a lot of what we're talking about here is, is an investment uh, because there's, there's a wider goal in terms of the reason you're actually writing and, and then putting out this book. So we're going to get into that after the break. So Tanya Hall and I will return after this short break. We'll be right back. Today's special edition coverage is made possible by Envoy, helping you to build a world-ready workforce and alleviating the stress associated with navigating U.S. immigration, securing global work authorizations and business visas, and managing all of your international employees. Envoy combines expert legal representation with technology to provide the only enterprise platform that enables companies to effortlessly hire and manage their global workforce. To learn more, please visit EnvoyGlobal.com. That's EnvoyGlobal.com. All right, we're back with Tanya Hall. She is the CEO of Greenleaf Book Group and the author of a new book called Ideas, Influence, and Income. So, all right. Tanya, let's get into this whole idea of a platform, and that's something, this is what the modern author, most of us anyway, have to build and have to do. I, I was approached by Wiley not that long ago about doing a book, and and I was a little turned off by the initial question they asked was, well, how big is your mailing list? That was more <laughs> important to them than at that time than the manuscript was, mm-hmm. because you know, they're investing too, you know, and so they want to be sure that they get enough books sold. So they, they do care about those things. I mean, the modern the modern author has to think about their platform. They have to think about, all right, what do I have to do with regards to social media and what PR work do I have to do? What kind of influencers do I need to connect with and engage and, 
and have them involved in this and what other part, you know, there's a million different kinds of partnerships I need to be thinking about. I mean, that's part of this now. I mean, you, the modern author, the most of us anyway, have to be thinking about not only writing the thing, but promoting the thing, right? Absolutely. In fact, uh, writing the thing, as hard as it is, is the easy part. (laughs) (laughs) Right, exactly. (laughs) And I know that very well, and so I'm just uh, now gearing up for the hard part. But yeah, the platform, and for those who aren't familiar with the term, we kind of loosely define it as your ability to reach uh, an audience of people who are interested in what you have to say. And I added that last part because you can have a huge platform, but if it's not aligned with your book, it's not going to convert (laughs) into book sales. And we saw this with, I forget which one of the Kardashian daughters, uh, or a Jenner daughter actually, wrote some fiction work that you would think, you know, with her gazillion Instagram followers, she could sell a lot of books, and and it was mind-blowing how low her sales were. So. Just having the platform isn't enough. It has to be a platform that's aligned with the rest of your brand and content. So, and yes, the the reason that Wiley asked you that right out of the gate, of course, is um, in large part due to the clutter we spoke of earlier and just how many books are coming out every day. And I often explain to authors, it's kind of like credit, you know, especially if you are, I like to call my first-time authors debut authors, not first-time authors, but if you're a debut author, you have no history for the the publisher to look at to understand what sort of sales potential is behind your work. And so they turn to your platform as a way to sort of establish some credit, if you will. If you have a previously published book, then they can pull those sales numbers and that becomes sort of your your book sales credit history and it can be good or bad. But the, the platform is a way for us to look at an author and say, oh, okay, they've got this sizable mailing list. Social media, it, as we know, that can be bought. So for me personally, yeah, right. that's not as that's not as persuasive. But if somebody is out there speaking, you know, in whether it's TED Talk type venues or in a corporate setting, a couple times a month, that's a huge platform because you're reaching these audiences who tend to get very excited about hearing your idea expressed in that way and then they tell a friend and we see that as um, a really strong indicator of platform or someone who's just consistently producing content in a blog or otherwise that keeps their voice at the forefront of their audience's mind. That's just as important to be consistent and regular with them. So yeah, the platform building is, is a huge part of how we structure the marketing behind a book and it starts quite early, often in tangent with the manuscript development. We're thinking about how are we going to use pieces of the manuscript, sort of content chunking it, and reverse, right. <laughs> reverse writing process, pulling stuff out of the book, and using it as standalone blog posts or little tweets, you know, that we can just take right out of the manuscript to kind of help the author manage all of that when the time comes. So they have this arsenal of content to work with, so it's a little less overwhelming. But it, it's absolutely something that has to be thought about early and often. Well, a guy like Stephen King, he doesn't care. I mean, he's built he's built this natural uh, platform, if you will, to use our parlance here. He he's going to sell a million books, whether he puts out a book with, with musings on on his dreams the night before. The point is, most of us. What I want, what I think is important to understand, and I, I want to be sure that you agree or have at least a comment if you disagree. I want people to listen and understand most of us who are talking about building a platform with regards to pushing our book, I want people to think in these I want people to understand that that process is almost as if not more important than the book itself and because 
the goal here of building a platform and communicating to it and engaging with it and moving ideas and engaging people that's the reason you write a book in the first place is to get the opportunity to actually do that because that's where you're going to move business opportunity and keynotes and workshops which is why most of us are writing a book is to get those kinds of gigs so that's how we pay the bills so the 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 the, pro, the, the platform building process and, and leveraging that platform and engaging people with it in my opinion is the main reason why you write a book in the first place is to have the opportunity to actually do that because that's where you're going to move most of your income generating opportunity yes absolutely i 100 percent agree with everything you just said and i would say that if you are not committed to doing that unless writing a book is just on your bucket list and you've got to check it off at some point before it's time for you to meet the maker then (laughs) i would say think twice about writing a book and maybe you should just blog because uh, not that that's any small thing either but you will be setting yourself up for a bad or a bad end result if you're not committed to doing uh, or if you're not interested really in doing all of that platform building work which Yes, we're talking about doing that in the context of supporting a book right now, but it's supporting the business. It's supporting the brand. I think you were implying this, that the book happens to be the tool that we can frame all of that around, and it gives us this, you know, the word-of-mouth tool to say, hey, there's something new coming out. Take a look. But if you don't have the either the personality or the drive or the interest in constantly hustling what it is that you do and how you bring it to the world, then you're not going to get the benefit that comes with that part of writing a book. Well, I've known a lot of authors who have gone through the love and devotion of writing a book, and then they get to the launch period, which is obviously a big deal. And and it all feeds in everything we've been talking about. So for those who do uh, go through the love and devotion of creating a work like this, any, any advice and counsel you can share? A couple of key things to think about when it comes to that launch and, and giving it the, the bang that it deserves. Yeah, and the launch is super important. Um, my background within Greenleaf Book Group is in the distribution side of things. So I built a sales organization here that brings the books out into retail. And it's a little bit of a black voodoo magic world <laughs> that right, few people right. understand. It's quite complicated in the book business. But um, the launch from a book a publisher's perspective, is very important because it's the period that the retailers look at to benchmark the rollout for the rest of your baseline for your book sales. So if during the launch period you have a slow start, they figure, well, the book was a dud. Like if it's going to do well, it's going to do well during the launch when they anticipate there being the most media and demand from your network and so forth. So I ha- I've had I say that because I've had some authors who have said, oh, I'm going to stick a toe in the water and then try a couple things, see what works, and then I'll go from there. And I have to correct them to say, no, no, we have to go all in during the launch because if you stick a toe in, they're going to decide that well, we only had a toe's worth of sales <laughs> right. and we're not putting any more shelf space behind this book. So you just get one shot at the launch. And my biggest advice there, kind of similar to the platform side of thing, is to start planning really early. Um, There's a lot of creative stuff that you can do to drive pre-orders, to secure partnerships so that other high-profile influencers are helping you to get the word out through their already established platforms, which is much easier than just having to build that all by yourself. But all of that takes time and takes a lot of strategy. 
on the front end. And again, ideally requires you having already done the heavy lifting we spoke of in terms of knowing who you serve so you can better identify who who else is aligned with that audience, but ideally not directly competing with you. So again, this is work that we do here with our authors at Greenleaf Book Group to help them figure out who is competing in their space but has uh, a complementary audience to where there might be a partnership opportunity. And all of that has to start happening, I would say, a year before the book comes out Mm -hmm. to really get everything lined up. And then on top of that, of course, I'm still a big believer in publicity. A a lot of authors roll their eyes and say, I paid this publicist all this money and all I got were AM blog talk radio spots. (laughs) Right. But, But... I I see it convert to sales. I see it on our end, and I I think that's harder for them. But if they tell me I'm going to be on this program and this program and we can see what they're doing and when, we can also see spikes in sales. And and we're happy to help them analyze that and say that worked and that didn't, do more of this and less of that. But that publicity is what's helping to generate curiosity and demand around the book. And from your publisher's perspective, if we don't have that, the book gets returned in publishing some people don't realize this, books are 100% returnable. So we have two sales to make. We have to sell it into the Barnes & Noble account or Amazon or the airport bookstore. But then there's a second sale that has to happen to the consumer or the whole thing gets unwound, and that's no fun for anyone. So that demand and really creating some general interest with the public through a publicity effort, I believe, is still worthwhile. No doubt about it. You know, and I get frustrated when, when an author complains about, oh, i got to do all these interviews and well, what, why did you write the book in the first place? It wasn't the idea mm-hmm. to share an idea and to help someone give them that spark of a new thought, a new methodology, a new approach to solving some sort of a problem. And if you help one or two people, isn't that worth it? You know, so you do, you got to deal with that. All right, so the final element of discussion here, you know, I know people on this interview are tired of me using Stephen King as an example, but <laughs> but guys like him or John Grisham, they're not worried about using their book to get a keynote gig or sell a workshop. But, I mean, even people like Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton, they write books because they do want to get their quarter-million-dollar checks for doing a keynote at some association meeting. And so that's one of the reasons they're writing these books is is to continue to be in in the public discussion to where they're being asked to keynote gigs. I mean, so even people like that are using their books as a as an income stream. So uh, most of us are not going to make millions by, by virtue of publishing a book. We're not Stephen King. Most of us have to leverage this tool as a way to generate other streams of income, like keynotes or selling workshops or or those kinds of things. So any thoughts there on how on how most of us are going to leverage our our work and generate income along these kind of ways? Yes, that and that's exactly right. I think most of the authors who come to me are interested in breaking into the speaking world or perhaps they're already in it and they want to grow from there and become, you know, the $25,000, $50,000 keynote speaker. Right. Of course, I will say that the next step after that, once they've become that established keynote speaker, is they decide they want to get off the road and they are interested in developing online learning platforms. <laughs> right, right. So uh, it, it seems to be a progression. But those those are, the I would say, two of the big ways in, to that people monetize their ideas and take the content, which it doesn't roll straight out of the book into those formats either. You know, those are... And, and vice versa is true as well. There are some companies out there that will promise you that you can basically dictate a book. So they're taking the spoken word and turning it into a book. And I would argue they are completely different 
art forms mm-hmm. and totally different ways to communicate. If you if you read I Have a Dream on paper and then you listen to the speech and you tell me which one moves you more. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of a lot of what we hear in the spoken word is about pacing and charisma and delivery. But anyways, that's a separate rant. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I have <laughs> to do another show or something. Right, right, right. <laughs> But yes, uh, online learning, um, speaking in workshops, webinars, ancillary materials like workbooks. Sometimes people will have the opportunity to sort of repurpose the core content of the book into more specialized products. You think of Chicken Soup for the Soul, for instance, or I have one author right now who has uh, a financial planning book, and they've developed a partnership with a chain of banks, and so they are doing these sort of co-branded editions of the book that have the bank's name on it that they can give to people who open up a new savings account. So things like that that are are really creative ways to find another larger audience for the book outside of the community of readers that we hope will buy it in the bookstore. Yeah, there's... There's almost endless possibility there, and that's what makes this really exciting. And, and and that's what I think most people need to be innovative about, is thinking about, all right, hey, I have a, a set of experiences. I have a, a wealth of knowledge that I could, in fact, put on paper and, and create a manuscript that I could publish. But I, I, I mean, like everything else in this world, there's just a lot of noise. And there's a lot of people putting out marketing books and novels and and Walking Dead type story. I mean, fictional. I mean, there's there's a, most of us are not going to have our book turned into a Stephen King esque kind of sales. Are we going to get Hollywood to buy this buy the book and turn it into a movie? I mean, that that's very very rare. And if that's your goal, I guess it's maybe it's a goal to get into it. But that's not the reality for most of us. And so, but to move a few people in our immediate network and help them improve their lives or solve a problem. That's not a bad way to go through through life either. And so there's there's a lot of value to this, and and it, it is in fact a great way to impress someone who's considering purchasing your your services in terms of consulting or keynoting or leading workshops. I mean, it is a great way to do that. So there there's a lot of value to that, and and you know, like I, I'll just repeat my my rant from my rant from earlier that don't be afraid if you've got a leadership development thing right how many more leadership development books do we need well yeah no one knows your take on it your approach and your thinking on it so don't be afraid of that all right well tanya gosh we could go for another three hours on all these different topics we're out of time for today before i let you go should anyone need to contact you directly how do they do that where do they find out about the work that you're doing at greenleaf and most importantly, where do they get their hands on a copy of Ideas, Influence, and Income? Yeah, thank you for asking. So the Greenleaf Book Group website is just greenleafbookgroup.com. The Ideas, Influence, and Income.com website is is more about the book. has a little bit about what we do at Greenleaf, but it's primarily about the book. And there's also a, I think it's a three-chapter sample there that you can download if you want to get a flavor of what the book is about. So that's Ideas, Influence, and Income.com. And I'm always happy to help anybody who wants to reach out to me directly. I don't mind giving out my email, which is tanya at greenleafbookgroup.com. That's T-A-N-Y-A. Or I'm on Twitter at Tanya Hall, T-A-N-Y-A-H-A-L-L. And if I can offer any encouragement or guidance or even a referral, if it's not something that's right for Greenleaf Book Group, I'm more than happy to do so because, yes, I totally agree that bringing an idea into the world and and being the stewards of that type of progress and change is very important work. 
Tanya Hall, the CEO of Greenleaf Book Group and the author of a new book called Ideas, Influence, and Income. Tanya, a great pleasure to have you. Thanks again for joining us on the show. And thank you for having me. The pleasure was mine. All right, all the time we have for today. Again, on behalf of my guest, Tanya Hall, I am Todd Schnick. We'll see you again very soon on Intrepid Radio. Thank you for listening to Intrepid Media. We appreciate your attention. To receive everything we do, simply go to IntrepidMailingList.com. That's IntrepidMailingList.com and sign up. You can also find us at Intrepid.media and on iTunes. And to support the important work we do on your behalf, a rating and review on iTunes will help spread our work far and wide. Again, we certainly appreciate your support. Now get out there, be intrepid, and we'll see you next time.